You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maurice Young. This episode is sponsored by Dram Apothecary, award-winning CBD sparkling water, CBD drops, and bitters. I'm always on the lookout for brands that value honesty as much as this audience does. And I was instantly impressed by Dram from the moment I cracked open my first can of citrus and blossoms. Dram is a woman-owned, Colorado-based business that champions sustainability. And Dram products never have synthetic flavorings. They're just products made with real plants by real humans. And you can snag your first order for 20% off when you use code YHM in all caps at checkout. Visit DramApothecary.com or tap the link in the show notes. And now on to the show. All right. Well, thank you so much, Whitney, for being a guest on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Oh, I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Okay. So let's start with this. Who is Whitney? Okay. That is a big question to start with. Um, I'm a lot of things. Um, I'm a mom of five kids. I'm a wife, a daughter, you know, all those relationship things, a sister, friend. Um, But I, a while ago, I started um, kind of identifying myself by what I love, um, letting go of imposter syndrome, like I don't have to be good at it to claim it. (laughs) So I consider myself a philosopher. I like to think about big ideas, a writer, um, love to read. Um, I'm a podcaster and I adore podcasting. Uh, I love to hike. I am a cyclist, a pianist, a dancer, a chef. I love to cook. Um, I have so many interests, and um, but I'm also the primary manager of my home. And in that role, I like to, I'm kind of, I think of myself as kind of a scientist. I like to experiment mm-hmm. and uh, think of ways to solve problems. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to know? I've told you a lot. Yeah. I like everything that you've said so far. And it makes me curious because you mentioned imposter syndrome. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your relationship was to that syndrome and how you decided to break away from it. Uh, I think it started when I think about it. um, I think it was when I was in high school and I took up rock climbing because um, I moved to a city, um, Bishop, California, where it's like a rock climbing mecca. And everybody, I had all these friends that rock climbed and they'd been doing it since they were little. And even though I loved it, and even though my skills got better and better, I never called myself a rock climber. I called myself somebody who went with my rock climber friends rock climbing. (laughs) And I never claimed it. And I never even really claimed, since I moved in like seventh grade, I always felt kind of like I didn't even belong to the to the town that I was living, you know, like it's, it's easy Mm -hmm. to, especially as an adolescent to feel like an outsider. And, and, uh, eventually I realized, no, I am from Bishop. I love Bishop. I am a rock climber. I love these things. Um, you don't have to be skilled at something to love it. Um, the same Mm -hmm. goes with music, like calling myself a singer. I'm not a professional singer like my sister, but I love to sing and I sing all day long. So I'm a singer. Um, even if I'm not famous, I'm a writer, even though I'm not a famous writer, you know? (laughs) Right. There's something so empowering about allowing ourselves to claim our identity in these different ways. And I find that it's been difficult for me personally to open up to calling myself a writer, for example, or even a podcaster. And, you know, obviously we're recording this podcast right now and I've been putting out weekly episodes, but there's, 
a sense of fear almost that comes up and like, oh, well, if I call myself this thing, then people are going to maybe expect more of me to, they're going to want to see me like do things perfectly. And all of these are just conjectures. They're all my personal perceptions of life, but they're not reality. And so thank you for sharing about how you were able to kind of wake up from that mindset and allow yourself to love the things that you love. Yes. And I knew from the first time I followed you on Instagram that you were a writer. There's there are people who are photographers on Instagram and there are people who are, you know, just good at good at whatever profession they're good at. The yeah. thing that immediately attracted to me to you was your good writing. So you have a writer's mind and you you can absolutely claim that. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Whitney. Okay, so the first thing you said when you were introducing yourself is that you are the mother of five children. Yes, I am. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about what it was like to become a mother, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five times over. And um, I'd love to hear about how you noticed your identity shifting within each of those births. So um, I've always wanted to be a mom. I always. Um it's always been kind of a latent part of my identity and it was latent for more years than I planned. Um, mm. My husband and I got married really young, but um, we wanted to have kids reasonably soon. Um, but then we experienced five years of infertility. Mm. So in that time, I, I had all these, you know, yearnings to be a mother and, you know, those monthly disappointments when it wasn't working. And eventually we ended up doing um, in vitro. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me a lot of time to think about being a mom. And it was a weird, that was a weird time for identity because that, that became a large part of my identity that I wanted to be a mom and couldn't be a mom. And, uh, it's weird to identify by something that you're not, um, but it was consuming so much of my time that it absolutely was part of it. So, so that was a that was an interesting start that I know a lot of moms are experiencing. Um, but I still always knew that through some means we would be able to have children. And uh, the cool thing about that experience is that it helped me develop other parts of my identity that. I never would have been able to, in hindsight, had we been able to have, mm. ki have kids right when we wanted to. Um, mm. I was able to launch my writing career. I was a, I started as a writer at a magazine um, after wow. a few years of tech writing and eventually became the editor of that magazine. So I was really able to, in, in a very short time and at, at a young age, achieve my career goals so that I could... Mm -hmm better make um, future career goals with kids in the picture. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So then once, once we finally were able to have kids, it was this great moment. We, we, um, I mean, not a moment, you know, it takes longer than a moment to <laughs> actually become a mom. Yes. But um, in vitro worked. And um, after a false alarm where they told me I was not pregnant, they read my pregnancy test wrong. Oh my gosh. They called back and said, just kidding, you're pregnant. And <laughs> I, I was, I was at work and I, um, I got that call and I just burst into tears. I called my husband. He thought somebody had died. And then I told him the news and I still just 
sobbing uncontrollably, I run out of the office past, I was in the way in the back. So I ran past everybody in the office, just bawling, yelled to the receptionist, <laughs> I'm leaving and I'm not coming back today. <laughs> and I just, I ran to the doctor's office to resume getting my big progesterone shots and all that stuff. So it was quite a, a dramatic way to find out that I was going to be a mom, right? <laughs> I'll say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, then I had my son and I, I already knew, you know, it had taken me so long. I had been waiting for this moment. I had already, I, you know, told them that I wasn't going to come back. I, I retained a quarterly magazine that I edited from home. It was a great situation. Um, and I just kind of threw everything into motherhood and being a mom. Um, as much as I was excited about it and loved it, um, it wasn't easy by any means. He was a very colicky child. And I, I, when I think about that time, I think of him, I think of me trying to calm him down in any way possible. Um, for some reason, the hairdryer and the vacuum worked the best. That, that wow. kind of white noise just <laughs> soothed him. <laughs> and, you know, all those late nights, just trying everything, walking up and down. Um, and I, I read somewhere that um, it's okay to set them down when they're crying as long as they're in a safe place. And so I remember one night of desperation, I just, I put him in his crib, still screaming. And I had pent up my frustration and just, oh, you know how that feels to just hear that unrelenting crying and, oh, yeah. Oh, just how that builds up. And so I just went into my bedroom and just jumped on my bed for all I had. <laughs> I just jumped up and down and let that aggression out. I had to do something physical. And obviously, I didn't want to do anything physical with him in the room or, you know, like I wasn't going right. to hurt him. But I, I just felt so much, so much physical, like, I guess, aggression for lack of better word with that crying. And so there were things, there were things that surprised me about myself hmm. when faced with the realities of motherhood. Um, and you know, there's so many surprises with that first child, the, as much as people prepare you for the sleep deprivation, you can't be prepared for it. So yeah. there's just so much learning with that first one. So, so that's, that's what I remember most about the transition to just motherhood in general. And I, I will always say that that was the, that was the biggest transition to me. People ask, you know, what was the hardest going from two to three, three to four or whatever, but just, you know, going to, from zero to one will always be the hardest, I think. Yeah. Because you have no, they're like, there's no background history there. So you're yeah. starting from scratch and everything is new and something you haven't yet experienced. And so it can be daunting, you know, to go from zero to one. So tell me a little bit more, because you mentioned this in passing. There are a couple of things that when you became a mother um, surprised you that perhaps you weren't expecting. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, as I was thinking of this, I was thinking of it almost like a hero's quest kind of that we go on as mothers. Yeah. And at first, it really is so physical. Um, it's like a feat of endurance. Even the pregnancy, you um, 
like you, you could look at it as the this challenge of um, going about your regular life, but you're adding extra weight every day, every day, this extra burden, plus you're nauseous. So you have to do everything you always did, except you have these additional challenges that somebody put on you. Or mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say somebody put on you, you, you chose <laughs> right. um, in an ideal situation, you chose it. Um, but then the next challenge is a feat of pain and you have to go through delivery and whatever that looks like, whether it's a C-section or vaginal birth or, you know, it's always pain. So there's this big feat of pain and sacrifice. And then you get that extreme sleep deprivation and your body's still all crazy and you get night sweats, which I never knew about. And nursing Mm -hmm. is not as natural as I expected and it's painful and there's cracking and bleeding and you know there's just all these gauntlets it's like American Ninja Warrior or something but really (laughs) drawn out (laughs) I don't know and then there's just like the challenge of dexterity like you have to keep this baby alive and breathing while also keeping it fed and clothed and make sure the nap schedule's going well and they're clean and there are just so many things like you wish you had a extra sets of arms and you know you you're doing everything one-handed and and um all this with the background of a baby screaming um and then you're so overwhelmed with all that physical that when you finally have a break your emotions are so high like you're you know I just I was so emotional and uh, a friend of mine talks about it being such a fragile time with a newborn you're just ready to snap at anything like I would cry at silly commercials or you know like I was just my emotions were close to the surface all the time whether it be frustration or or sadness or love or you know everything was just heightened because of all the physical stress that was on my body Mm -hmm. um but then so then they they grow up and it's less physical um you still have that physical component if you continue to have babies like I did. <laughs> so so that never totally went away. Um, I felt like I was always nursing or pregnant, um, which are mm-hmm. extremely physically taxing. Yes. But then there's the emotional stuff where you're, you have to like figure out um, what are my rules going to be? What kind of mom am I going to be? There's the anxiety still of keeping them alive. Like, oh, now my baby's climbing cabinets. She's going to mm. fall. I don't know why I said she. I only one she, but <laughs> and she wasn't the climber. But <laughs> but there's just like toddlers are in imminent danger at every step of their lives. <laughs> they're like perma bruise, and they they're just falling and testing and. It's amazing that we can keep them alive. Um, but then you just wonder like, oh, do I do I say no to this? Do I say yes to this? Um, there's decision fatigue. I feel like I'm just listing the hard things um, <laughs> in this idea of the this hero's journey that we're going on. But um, the reason I'm bringing up all these challenges is that this is how we discover what we're good at, what we can accomplish. All these challenges make us strong and make us more able to face the next challenge. And it's just this, it's just this huge process of growth that I can't imagine getting in any other way, you know, kind of learning by fire hose kind of experience. Yes. I think you encapsulated that really well, especially with the hero's journey imagery. Um, And I, I know what you mean where it can seem like, 
uh, we're just always talking about the challenges and just wanting to commiserate, but it's not just that. Because like you said, it's hard to have triumph without having gone through the challenge, you know, and the triumph right. is not as sweet had you not tasted the the depth of the challenge. And it's a really interesting cycle, parenthood, to to always be kind of, you know, in between one or the other and, and heading in the direction of, you know, hopefully trying to better oneself and learn more and to be the best parents that we can be. So I love hearing about other people's journeys and I'm, I'm grateful that you shared a little bit about yours here on the podcast. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think really one of the best ways that it has, has enhanced, because you asked about identity and I didn't really address that as much. Um, but I think what it really helped me do is to clarify and prioritize my values. So mm. um, we've talked a bit about this before, but I used to want to be everything and try to be good at everything. I wanted to be good at managing our money, gardening, housekeeping, cooking, parenting, home renovation, you know, like all the things. I wanted to play with my kids, create with my kids, teach them and, you know, just be the best at everything. And I kind of thought I could do it all at once. But what I've learned probably more than anything is that those things that I want to be can all be part of my identity. All those things that I listed at the beginning can still mm -hmm. be, can all be part of my identity, but they're going to um, ebb and flow and different ones are going to come to the foreground at different times. And some things I've just let go. Like when I was a teenager, I loved to do crafts and that is the last thing I want to do now. Um, even with mm -hmm. my kids, I let my other kids lead all the craft projects, you know? Like there are just cer certain things that you value at different stages of your life. And that, that's a real gift of motherhood because there are so many things that you could prioritize that um, you would be a crazy person if you prioritized everything. So you have to really sit and think of what you hold dear, what you, what is important to you, where you're going to spend your time and your effort. And I've, I've talked to a lot of moms who feel like they've, lost part of their identity through motherhood, through all this this heavy workload that we have. Um, and there have been times that I've felt that a little bit. But for me, I feel like it's been a refining and clarifying process of my identity because I have to really fight for the time to um, to spend time with those things that I that really constitute my identity, specifically mm -hmm. like writing and reading and um doing this podcast that I do, um, I have to really shelter that time and, and, and carve out time very specifically for that. Um, and that really helps me strengthen my identity and understand what I care about. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. I feel that I'm going through a similar awakening where I felt in the beginning, you know, after I passed through that initial postpartum haze, I really was shocked by how much I didn't recognize myself anymore. And it scared me. And, you know, I, I felt frantic, like, who am I? How did I get here? What am I going to do to get back to where I was? You know, and I started kind of spiraling. And I don't regret that phase. I feel like I learned a lot from what I discovered in it. But now I recognize that I'm on the other side of that, where I'm starting to realize had I not gone through, you know, the trials of motherhood these three years, I wouldn't have 
had this better understanding of who I am. You know, like you said, things have been so much more clarified. I I have a better grasp of my values and my husband's values and the things that we want to leave as a legacy for our child. And if I wasn't confronted with all that I went through, I don't think I would have had that insight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite books about motherhood specifically, um, well, parenting, but um, of course I, I related that to my motherhood mm-hmm. um, is called All Joy and No Fun. And it's just hmm. such a great phrase to encapsulate what motherhood is because, you know, I've talked about all the work and stuff, but there is so much joy and that informs our identity as well. Like watching humans, like just the role of a, of being a witness as a mother of seeing, seeing the whole life of a person from beginning to, well, I mean, hopefully we never see the end of our children's lives, but just, just witnessing what amazing things happen when they start to learn and laugh and play and you see these individuals um that's something very specific that i've learned from being a parent of 5 is just mm. how unique and individual and unpredictable and uh amazing each child is and what an adventure i guess that's mm-hmm. that's part of the hero's journey also um and i i don't think i don't think there's anything um overblown about calling mothers heroes just the the adventure of not knowing what you're going to get next and um, seeing how these children are going to develop into individuals. It is, it is an exciting, thrilling adventure filled with so many moments of fun and joy. um, But so much, so much ultimate joy that you receive from developing these strong relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't talking about all the work and and all the, (laughs) the difficulty because it really is it really is so joyful. I love hearing that. I'd love to also know a little bit more about how having five children has impacted or evolved the way in which you have a relationship with your husband. What has that been like? Um that's another good question. Um interestingly we when it comes to parenting and managing our house, from somebody looking from the outside in, we would look very much like a traditional 50s era relationship. He goes to work mm-hmm. every day, is gone from the house almost all day, every day. He you know, leaves in the morning, often before the kids wake up, and then gets home around bedtime, sometimes if we're lucky dinner time, but uh, I mean, sometimes by like seven. Anyway, it's it's he's gone a lot, and we 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 cherish our weekends with him. Um, but he's a surgeon, and um, so even from the very beginning, um, he was gone even more at the beginning of our children's lives. He, we had our first baby at the beginning of residency. Okay. So um, on the parenting side, you know, a lot of people refer to medical wives, um, physicians' wives as single parents. And I've always had a big problem with that characterization because admittedly, I carry the lion's share of the workload. I I do 
a lot of the day in day out work of taking care of the children. However, I never feel like I am a single parent because at the strategic level, at the, at the level of decision making and, um, you know, some of the hardest parts of parenting are just, you know, figuring out what to do in difficult situations. He is always mm-hmm. very supportive and I, I don't even want to say supportive because it's, it's such a partnership. Pretty much every night we discuss what's happened with during the day with our children and we have those p- parenting conversations. So I really view it as a partnership um, and he views it as a partnership, even though he's not physically here to do a lot of the, the daily work. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't always have that outlook. You know, there was a lot of time in those early years where I just wanted him to be home a little bit and, and <laughs> be able to help out. But it helps that we we got married young and um, I was only 20 when we got married. So he was 22. So we got to make all those life decisions together and we knew what we were getting into and we both wanted a big family. We both decided together that medicine was his passion and that serving his patients was a calling, not just a profession for him. And mm. I think that made a big difference for me that we we chose that together and knowing that my career would then be managing our home and our family because he wasn't going to be there for, for a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. And that's, and, and we made all those decisions together at any step in the, well, not every step in the way, because once you start going down that medical road, it's hard to get off <laughs> and do something else. <laughs> but um, I certainly could have made a different decision and, and he would have supported me at any step of the way. Like I could have retained my job as the magazine editor. I could have pursued that. Um, and I think knowing that, that he was going to be supportive no matter what. And and I had a very good idea. I, I had already um, experienced that career. So I, 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 I think that's what makes the difference between that stereotypical 50s housewife and me is that mm. I chose it with open eyes and we chose it together more importantly. So mm-hmm. with that foundation, um, we have always been able to, to keep that balance of partnership in our marriage, even as so many other bodies came into our house and, and uh, took up our time. We've always prioritized our relationship which got a lot easier once some of our kids were old enough to babysit. So we, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but we religiously um, keep our appointment for our date night every Saturday night. And, or, I mean, sometimes we do it in the day, but Saturdays are our day and our kids know that they can have friends over on Fridays and then they babysit for us on Saturdays. And, um, and I, I was thinking about this um, when you asked the question and yeah, some of the turning points in our marriage. Um, one was honestly getting an audible subscription of all things, because um, we, we like to talk about ideas and he never had time to read, but he has time um, commuting a couple times a week. And we, it really rejuvenated our relationship because 
we could talk about ideas again, like what attracted to each us to each other in the first place. And, mm-hmm. and uh, reading the same books and talking about ideas um, doesn't seem parenting related, but that is exactly what I need to support my parenting when I am in the, like, knee deep in the logistics of parenting all day long. I need to have somebody that I can, that can help me escape and talk about, talk about ideas instead of laundry or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Another more recent in turning point in our marriage is that I realized that I am not in charge of his relationship with our kids. For a long time, because he isn't physically here as often as some fathers are, I would put all this pressure on the times that he was home. And I'd be like, okay, like who needs dad time? Um, like on a rare occasion when he'd get a, a surgery would cancel and he'd he'd show up after school, I would be like, okay, everybody, we're changing all our plans. Dad's home. What awesome adventure can we go on with him? And how can I, how can I facilitate these relationships? And, and, um, eventually just, just pretty recently, actually, I just realized I was, that was a big added stress on my plate that never belonged on my plate in the first place. Mm. He is in charge of his relationship with our kids and, and the kid, you know, the kids play a part in that too. But, um, that, took a huge burden off me and improved improved the way I approach our marriage when I realized like no he's a grown man he's in charge of his relationship I don't need to keep micromanaging and project what I think these relationships need to be so um yeah those are just a couple of the the interesting ways that marriage and parenting have kind of been intricately connected um, with the size of a family that we have. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I think it's really important to hear other women in particular talk about their experience as mothers, as wives, as just humans in general, because it can be easy to look at things from the outside and start making up a story in our heads about you know what's going on there. And oftentimes we tend to make up stories that make us look bad. <laughs> you know, we'll, we will compare ourselves to what someone else is doing and start to belittle ourselves because we're not doing as much as so and so over here seems to be doing. And, you know, that whole cycle of comparison can start. And I think in hearing from people honestly about what their experience has been like helps to normalize what parenting and marriage can look like. And I think it just gives permission to people to to be themselves and to work with their partners in the way that works for them and their families instead of having to feel like there's one specific way to do things. Right. Because I love that we live in a day and age where there are higher expectations put on fathers. They are mm-hmm. tremendously more involved than fathers in the past. So it it was kind of incongruent for me, like, oh, there's this big sea change going and I, I'm not really participating. But again, it goes back to what I chose. And really early on in residency, I um, 
I hadn't figured out yet that time was very unpredictable. Like he would say, I'll be home at this time. And that meant like there could be a two hour window on either side of that because things come up, emergencies happen. Um, Maybe not two hours, but at least one hour. And, and that still happens today. Like um, he'll think he can come home at a certain time and, you know, I mean, the human body is unpredictable. So, mm-hmm. um, so one of the best pieces of advice I got from a, a fellow medical wife um, who had already been through residency was to have low expectations, which sounds, uh, <laughs> which sounds kind of sad. <laughs> and, um, it sounds like um, you're kind of giving up on your goals, but um once I realized what she meant, I if I didn't expect him to come home at all or expect him to come home, especially at the time that he said, then mm-hmm. I could be pleasantly surprised when he was home at that time. And yeah. instead of being like, when I see him, instead of saying like, oh, well, that wasn't the time I thought you were going to come home and being all disappointed, I could change it, change my outlook. So it was like, whatever time he came home, it was like, oh, it's so great to see you. Like. I didn't, I didn't have any expectations of you being home tonight. And, and then when he, I mean, he's hugely helpful when he is home and he's a very tidy person, whereas I am not. So I don't have to, I don't clean up after him at all or, or anything like that. Um, and he's super helpful. And in, in fact, um, years ago, he said, I, I would like to contribute more to this um, heavy housekeeping burden that you have. And so, mm-hmm. so we decided to hire a housekeeper. So um, we have somebody that comes in once a week and helps me with the housekeeping. And basically that's, she does every bit as much as he would do if he were able to be home helping me. So, so we've just found kind of workarounds so that, yeah. um, he's always trying to think of how to lighten my burden and I'm always trying to think of how to lighten his. And maybe that's the best piece of advice of all is that Mm -hmm. we keep thinking of each other and we are appreciative of any, any help that we give each other so that, you know, my, my expectations, I don't expect him to help me. I'm just grateful when he does. Does that make sense? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's really poignant and something that I want to take away from this conversation myself is, you know, being able to think about how I can lighten my husband's load, you know, and just having that as my goal. Um, one of my missions, you know, to, to keep that in mind when I can, because whether or not, um, or no matter who's handling more at home and who's handling more at work, we're all handling a lot and we could all use help. And so just keeping that in mind, like how can we help each other? How can we help each other? Um, that goes a long way. So, um, yeah, and it's not a competition and it's not something you're keeping score because we have the same goal. We have right. the same goal for our kids. We have the same goal for our house. We have the same goal for our careers and the trajectory of our lives, you know, we, I mean, not the same, we're not the same person, but, but in our partnership, we have goals together and, and just keeping in mind that, that those are not, we're not in opposition. We are headed the same direction mm-hmm. together. 
and our marriage is, um, li- I mean, I, I already said lifting the burden, but our, our marriage is, is helping us both, lifting us both. That's a good way mm-hmm. to say it. I like that. So speaking of how different people do things in different ways, I want to talk a little bit more about your role as a podcaster and the show that you created, How She Moms. So can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to create that podcast? Yes, I love talking about this because I love doing it so much. Um, (laughs) So How She Moms was kind of born in a time of overwhelm. I was pregnant with my third son. Um, I don't can I say this already? I have five boys. No, I have four boys and one girl. So okay. I was pregnant with my third son and my life was in chaos. So I had chosen this career. I had chosen by that time. I wasn't even doing part-time work at the magazine anymore. I, um, I had decided that this was going to be my career path is managing my home, taking care of my kids. Um, but I looked around me and it was a mess. I was, you know, I was sick too. I was pregnant and I just didn't feel like I was good at my job and I wanted to be good at my job. Um, I was kind of drowning. And so I decided that, you know, I, I couldn't tackle it all at once and be magically good at it all at once, but I could do one thing a month. And so I decided to just pick one problem a month and just like research the heck out of it um, and just get better at that one thing. And I started simple with cleaning my kitchen every night. I just thought if I could do that one thing, then I am accomplished. And so I did it for a full month. I made that my priority. You know, we talked about those shifting priorities. Well, that one moved to the top and Mm -hmm. I had a clean kitchen every night. And some people probably think that's crazy that I didn't before, but whatever. Um, Then the next month I would focus on laundry and figure out a system for that. Then meal planning. then getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise. Um, I even, very ironically, I even spent a month learning how not to be such a know-it-all. <laughs> and I had a whole, I had a whole system down. Like even things I had to say to myself, like in this conversation with this person, say, "Oh, I never thought of that. What a great idea!" You know, <laughs> I was coaching myself through that uh, wow. personality quirk I have. Anyway, so I would just, I would really focus on one thing every month. And part of my research was, you know, I'd get books from the library, all that stuff, but I'd also just talk to all the moms I knew about how they approached that particular topic. And I learned so much, like more than I even thought. Um, and I'd just sit there, you know, doing my dishes or folding the laundry. And I just wish that I could lift the roofs off of all the houses in my neighborhood and just see how they were solving these same problems that I was solving. Um, because there's so much invisible work. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much innovation also. People are solving these problems in ways that fit their personalities and fit their families. And the more I talked to people, the more I realized there really wasn't one right way. And I started out looking for the one right way. I wanted to find the best way to do all of these things. And that's really how how she mom started because i realized well first of all there's no there's no right way and not even person by person but different seasons of your life you have to change and do things different ways and so hmm. i just started keeping notes of all the different things i was learning from all these people 
And even back then, I knew it was going to be a blog someday. I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. So I just kept taking notes and I kept filing things away and writing where I learned things. And um, eventually, let's see, it was October of 2017. So by then, I, uh, my youngest was, my fifth son was, (laughs) my fifth son, I keep saying I have five sons. My fifth child, my fourth son was two. Okay. And I kind of started to emerge from that baby haze. Like I didn't have to, he could entertain himself for little spurts of time. Mm-hmm. And my older kids could entertain him when they were home. And I started finding little pockets of times to write. So I started, I started How She Moms as a blog in 2017. And then I realized I've been a podcast addict since, um, 2005 when my first son was born. And so I realized that is how I consume information. I've done years and years of research and knowing what kind of podcasts I like. Mm -hmm. And so um, it it almost made it more intimidating to start a podcast because I had all these heroes in podcasting that I held on such a pedestal. But I decided, hey, if I I start now, I can only get better from here. So I, in uh, March of 2019, I started How She Moms and kind of followed that same formula from way back when uh, I was pregnant with my third son. I just picked a topic, researched it, interviewed moms. And um, that's how I approach each episode. I include clips from different moms telling their, their, the way they solve a specific problem. And that can be anything from parenting to home management to personal development. And oh my goodness, is it fun. It is so (laughs) exciting to hear people's life experiences and just the brilliance of their ideas and how they have right how yeah how they how they solve these problems in their daily lives it's awesome yes i i love everything about the mission of how she moms and you're right there is a lot of invisible work going on but at the same time there's so much innovation and just genius solutions that people are coming up with so that they fit, like you said, their personalities, their families, their situation that they happen to be in. And it's such a shame when, you know, when we don't get to to share those ideas or talk about them because as valuable as they are, they're kind of, you know, behind the scenes. So I love that your show features and highlights all of these amazing ways in which mothers mother. And um I I just, I'm blown away by the idea and then how you create the episodes I think is so unique too. Well, thank you. So as we start to come full circle, where else can people keep in touch with you? So um, my main method or my main platform for social media is on Instagram. Okay. Um, so I'm at How She Moms there. Um, my website is HowSheMoms.com and my podcast is How She Moms, and you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts, hopefully. And um, I also send out a weekly email with um, resources from my podcast episodes, but also I just love to collect um, favorites, um, favorite lists. And so I'll send out like, you know, my my top five picture book authors or podcasts I listen to for entertainment or my favorite parenting book, you know, just some of my, my favorite things. So that's, that's what I, I send those out in my emails. So there are a lot of ways to stay connected with this community. I also um, 
I used to hold in-person events and I'm moving that to Zoom events and I'm super excited about that where um, moms can sign up and we just discuss a problem all together and it's kind of a, a big problem solving and um, share idea sharing venue that where we can just um, help each other and learn from each other. And then I use some of that information for the, the episodes. So Awesome. I will make sure to link to your work in the show notes for this episode so that the listeners can quickly tap through and learn more. So thank you so much, Whitney. I have truly enjoyed our honest conversation today. Me too. It was so fun. Yay. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.